the Ravens back to winning ways. Lamar Jackson, MVP frontrunner? A lot of good things to talk about this week on Bad Like a Raven. Oh, it feels so much better to win football games. It feels so much better to close out football games. And it feels good to have Lamar Jackson on your team. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm excited to talk Ravens football, talk about the victory over the Patriots, talk about a doozy of a game coming up next week. But first, let me bring in my co-hosts. Let's start on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, 2-1. Much, much better than 1-2. and two. Yeah, this was the most fired up I think I've been for a, a Ravens win in quite some time, uh, Antonio. Maybe since last year's Monday night win against the Colts. It was just really gratifying because it was a weird game. It was a very weird game. We'll get into that. There's a lot of good, a lot of bad. Um, it was up and down. It was kind of a roller coaster. But to come out on the winning end of that was really satisfying, especially after what happened last week. Uh, it was just a really good pick-me-up, I think. You know, certainly as a fan, you want to celebrate a win. Uh, it's a different Patriots. This isn't the Tom Brady's Patriots, but it's still good to beat the Patriots. That was a good feeling. It was just all in all. It, it was a strange game, but one that uh, at the end was really satisfying. Almost a must uh, win, as we'll talk about uh, what's up uh, coming up on the schedule. But just re- really satisfying and really enjoyable uh, at the end of the day. And on the East Coast, and by the East Coast, I mean all up and down the East Coast, Tim Horsey, who m- may have... Uh, Made an appearance in New England this uh, this Sunday. Tim, you made it. First of all, you survived. Second of all, you got a a, a road win in New England. Must must have felt pretty sweet. It felt really sweet, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, as as you always have me on the podcast. That was You're great. welcome. Uh, yeah, th- thanks. Uh, yeah, it was it was cool to go up there. Uh, went up there to see a buddy of mine who lives up there now uh, and diehard Ravens fan who finally got the chance to see his team locally. Uh, you could say and. I'm glad we jumped on the opportunity. We did, we did not go up there with tickets. We got tickets as we were driving into the tailgate. The plan was kind of just to go to a bar uh, near the stadium because they have a bunch of like things around, around Foxborough now, or Gillette now, I should say. And really, really glad we did because, man, watching Gillette Stadium empty out as, as their whining little quarterback is crying, crying about an ankle sprain. There's nothing sweeter than that, gentlemen, so I cannot wait to relive it with you. And Tim had the—I've said it once already. I'm going to end up saying it a hundred times this episode, but Tim also had the good fortune of seeing Lamar Jackson play football in person because that is what we are going to lead with. Uh, Ravens 37-26 win over the Patriots that at times looked like a comfortable game, at other times looked much more stressful. Some questionable decision-making and refereeing made the game even more nervous, but in the end, a double-digit win— Led offensively by the one and only Lamar Jackson, who is turning from, you know, he's had a few good weeks to start the year to he is the best quarterback in football right now when you take the totality uh, of these first three weeks. In this one, only four passing touchdowns, uh, only 107 rushing yards with a rushing touchdown. He has more combined touchdowns this season with 12 than every team in the National Football League except for the Trivia alert, Detroit Lions, the Detroit Football Lions there, who somehow have more than that and are the only team with more than that. We're going to lead with him, obviously, uh, and and talk about how this game went and just his performance, but 
in the middle of this week, this past week, I, I think it was Wednesday, maybe, uh, Lamar Jackson at practice had a sleeve on his throwing arm, and there were a lot of concerns that he was actually injured, that his elbow was messed up, that you know he didn't throw any passes at, at the media portion of practice, and it was, dare I call it, sleeve gate. Um, and then the day after, the sleeve is gone, and they asked Roman, Greg Roman about it, and he said, uh, yeah, Lamar's fine, and then there was some quote that he used that was like, yeah, he's like, he's in the best shape of his life, or like, he's, he's looked as good as he ever has, and I saw, and I like literally cackled out loud at just how bad of a cliche he used, um, but maybe he wasn't really overreacting at all. Um, Lamar Jackson's game right now is the absolute total package. Uh, he was hitting throws all over the field, including like the deep to the sidelines. He's got touch on deep balls. He's accurate. He's playmaking every other down. His awareness level in the pocket is at like a thousand. Um, there were multiple times in this game that he was moving around in the pocket and checked behind him to see what the edge rusher who had overrun the pocket was doing, where like, I'm watching it on television from above and forgot that the edge rusher was, like, behind him. He is in complete control. He knows where every player is on the field and has just added that to the playmaking that he already had. And it's very exciting. And I believe, even with the flaws that this team has, that if Lamar Jackson plays this way all season, this will be a playoff team. This will be a contending team to go deep into the playoffs because he's been that good. Uh... And was the it, the X factor, you know, the, the ABC through Z factor of the Ravens winning this football game. And getting it done when it matters most, too. I mean, first of all, yeah, you said it. You know, I, I and I think everybody here of this parish uh, would rather watch a game on television than go to the game. Most of the time, you know, I talk about obviously going up to away was nice and making a trip to see your team play. That was the first away game I had ever been to. Um, so that was kind of interesting being in that environment. And, and you know. There was no issues or anything, and, and every Patriots fan we talked to or met, um, and I have to tell you a story about a very special Patriots fan that I met uh, later in the show. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, it's half Patriots. There's your clue. Um, everything was fine, but it is kind of cool being there in, in, in a way platform. But for the most part, like I don't know if I'd ever get Raven season tickets, one, because I'm a lowly radio producer, and two, I like being at home for a lot of the games. I like having a second TV with Red Zone. I like being able to get replay angles. I like not spending... $15 for a beer. But to watch that man play live is something that every Ravens fan and every football fan, frankly, needs to experience at least once. What he was doing and the control he had when the offensive line, and we'll get to the issues, is completely crumbling around him. The way he made Matt Judon look silly multiple times. God bless you, Lamar Jackson, for that. Every throw, you know, outside of the interception and a couple other duds was was perfect the ball to Duvarnay was incredible the the moss pass to Mark Andrews sure it's a little short but he knows his guy can go get it some of the plays he's making with his feet when we kind of talked about it last week he almost seemed like he didn't he just wanted to be more of a pocket passer they he knew that when the run game wasn't working another thing we'll get into he had to do it with his feet and he did and and it was just so impressive and then the thing for me too is he did it when it mattered most. So the score is 31-26, and the Ravens get the ball back. Uh, they go seven plays, 73 yards, and score a touchdown. Lamar Jackson accounted for every single yard of that drive, <laughs> either with his feet or through the air. 
So there was an incomplete pass to Andrews. Then he had one to Bateman. Bateman, you know, did a lot of it on his own as well with the run, but you get what I mean. Then Dobbins went for no gain. So then Jackson went for 20 yards on a run. Then he threw to Mark Andrews for another three yards. Then he threw to Andrews again for another six yards. And then he went nine yards on his own into the end zone for the touchdown. Making the plays when they matter most, doing it through the air, doing it doing it on the ground. You cannot stop this man right now. And, man, for a team that has so many issues, it is so much fun to watch, let's just say it, $300 million man. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Lamar Lamar is a uh, bet on himself, and that has proved uh, smart but <laughs> on his part. Proved because, costly for Steve Bashani. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but, I mean, he, it's just amazing what he does every week. I mean, he currently, he leads the NFL in touchdown passes right now with 10, and he's tied for fourth in rushing yards with Christian McCaffrey. It's Nick Chubb, it's Corderell Patterson, it's Jonathan Taylor, and then McCaffrey and Lamar Jackson for rushing. And he leads in touchdown passes. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's you, hard to crown an MVP three games into the season. If, if you did, Russell Wilson, I think, would have like five MVPs if it was based on the first three games. But Not this year. <laughs> that's right. But uh, um, So it's still early, but I mean, if he keeps this up, he's going for his second uh, MVP award. I mean, he's the first player... In NFL history, with three plus passing yards, uh, or three plus pa- passing touchdowns and 100 yards rushing in back-to-back weeks, he's already ju- he's just keeps extending his own 100-yard uh, rushing uh, record for a QB, with now 12 games like that. It's just incredible, and I, I, it's it's remarkable and truly like stuff we just haven't seen before. That's how like game-breaking <laughs> Lamar Jackson is, and it, it's a joy to watch and. He, he's the, the best thing going and you know it's just I it's I never thought I'd enjoy watching a Ravens offensive player so much in my entire life like he's he's probably the best we'll ever see so yeah here's hoping they get the contract situation figured out and all that but on a week-to-week basis it's just been a joy just want to say real quickly too before we move off Lamar Jackson another thing too and, and credit, uh, credit to Shen, uh, Spencer Schultz on Twitter at Ravens, the number four dummies, a must follow if you're on Twitter and you're addicted to this team like we are. Uh, Lamar Jackson, one of the things that was always said about him was that he couldn't handle the blitz. Is that, that that's how Miami and those Brian Flores teams got after him. Uh, not this year because he was clearly not the reason they lost that despicable game last week. Um, and getting get, getting Lamar, blitzing Lamar, which seems weird because he's a guy that has, you know, the best escapability we've ever seen in the National Football League and – you think that wouldn't be the thing. It is. This year, Lamar Jackson is 26 for 32 with six touchdowns and zero interceptions against the Blitz. He's even improving the parts of his game that people would criticize. Uh, and and that is what we're seeing right now. Like as Antonio so uh, so put it so well earlier, the complete package. Jace, if we have the James Prochet Award for the offseason, I, I for, like very much endorse the uh, Russell Wilson MVP award is like whoever is the MVP, you know, <laughs> three really to four weeks into the season. So, yeah, Lamar Jackson currently with the Russell Wilson MVP award. Uh, we'll see how long he hangs on to it as the season continues. Um, now the running game. A, a pleasant sight. And this is what I'm hoping is going to end up being like a weekly... I don't know, like new present that you open for the Ravens every week. Last week, P. 
Peters came back and was on like a little bit of a pitch count, but it was nice to have, you know, a pro bowler back in the lineup. This week, J.K. Dobbins, a, J- a J.K. sighting, and maybe a few more touches than we thought. Kenyon Drake inactive for this game. J.K. straight to the starting lineup. Not huge production, but my goodness, was he visibly quicker and stronger in the backfield than everything else that the Ravens have had in the backfield. And this is a stat that was set on the broadcast, so I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to take sort of too much, you know, research credit for it, because everybody heard it if they were watching, but in the first uh, two games of the season, the Ravens' backfield had zero broken tackles. The running the running backs had zero broken tackles combined. So, you know, it helped to get J.K. Dobbins in this lineup when the first play was him catching a ball in the flat and stiff-arming a Patriot, like, into the dust. Um, he's going to be good to have starting, you know, obviously in this Patriots game and then every week now moving forward and just another playmaker, another weapon to add to this team at just the right time. He, um, he had a broken tackle, Antonio, where it was only like a gain of two or three, but he hit, he hit a spin move right at the line of scrimmage when he was like hit immediately and actually gained yards. And I almost shed a tear because it's just something we just haven't seen in a year and a half. Right. Also like that, that play was made zero times by a running back last season. Yeah, it was like it, it was just such a small play, but you're like, oh yeah, this guy's so much more talented <laughs> than anyone. And I, I think you know Kenyon Drake inactive was surprising. Mike Davis gets one carry or one snap in this game, so it was it was all J.K. and then it was all Justice Hill who had you know a, the nicest run by a Ravens running back this season. He had a 34 yard scamper that you know on one of their on one of their scoring drives that really helped. Uh, he had. Six carries, 60 yards. You know, Lamar's always going to do, uh, with, I think, when the Ravens are at their best until they get J.K. fully up to speed. Lamar will probably have to do the heavy lifting in the run game uh, to a certain extent. But it was nice to just see just a little more pop um, out there. And it was interesting. It, it, a lot of it kind of occurred after they made a unwanted change with losing Patrick McCarry and inserting Daniel Falele, um, their fourth string left tackle. But, you know, Falele for, he got beat a few times, uh, in the past rush, but he, he was impressed. Like, you know, he's six, eight, he's huge. He's almost 380 some pounds. He can move guys around. And so I don't know if that helped. I didn't go down and break down all the film or anything, but, that could have definitely seemed like it helped their running game. It, certainly in the second half, they they just got a lot more push. And, um, you know, you certainly hope he's not your starter, I think, the full season, Daniel Falele. That's a nice <laughs> that's a nice comment about that situation. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was still nice to see just a, a semblance of life from the run game outside of Lamar. Yeah, and you guys have said everything and frankly you had better angles of jk uh you know in in his limited time from where we were sitting up top and it was nice to see justice hill but those two are kind of the same player like i think jk is a pretty complete running back but he's much more of a you know finesse guy obviously has the power um but you kind of think of him as more of the the ying to the yang of a gus edwards and that's the guy that i think that this team is really gonna uh love having back because let's talk about it here because you know we don't have to spend too much time on the offense. We just did the offense. It's called Lamar Jackson. That's pretty <laughs> much it. Um, and Mark Andrews, obviously, who we have to give a, a shout-out to as well. But I think J.K., nice to see him back, and I think he'll improve, what have you. But 
I think his game probably relies more on the offensive line, and this is just fan theory, than like a Gus Edwards. Because Gus, yeah, find the hole, hit the hole, keep moving. But Gus also can make hole if need hole. If guy, if if guy is there, Gus run guy over and get six yards. Gus do it again and again and again. I feel like J.K. Although he can make stuff happen, and you guys have already talked about the missed tackles and what have you, he probably needs either to be incorporated more in the passing game, which he can certainly do, or kind of more of those um, help is a bad word, but the only one I can think of right now from the offensive line there. And so, I don't know. I don't want to be a, the rain on the parade because it was awesome to see JK there. And Antonio is right. Even from the stands, you can tell that that guy, they're worried about him and he's clearly making more of an impact than a, you know, Kenyon Drake who could have seen that coming. <laughs> but I really want the one, two punch back because as much as I love JK and as much as I think he is going to be a very good player, although everybody just crowned him as an elite running back, even though he was nothing more than a bit-time player in his NFL career so far, I think we need to see Gus with him to really, really maximize that running game. And, as we said before, there was a lot more Lamar Jackson design runs, and I think this team has realized in the first couple of weeks, you know, let's try and get away from that. Lamar, Lamar is obviously, you know, there's, there's nothing to pick from his game right now that is bad. But we need, and I know he doesn't run as much as he used to, but maybe he should. And I'm not saying all the time, but maybe some more designed option plays. You know, the Duvarnay, who, again, another weapon in this run game on those outside sweep plays, they ran a fake to Duvarnay. It was an option play where Lamar took it himself, and he got like 12, 15 yards. That type of stuff, all, mixing all of that stuff together really helps, uh, you know, the development and, and the progress of a guy like J.K. Dobbins. And Lamar, with a couple of different situations in the run game where he avoided like getting decapitated basically and we've talked about that enough times how good he is at it but you know the issue of usage is going to become a problem if he still has to carry both the passing game and the running game you know 16 weeks into the season so it's good to see him not take too many of these big hits early uh in the run game he had i believe 11 carries that feels right to me i, I don't know if i want a full season, you know, a, a 300 carry season from Lamar Jackson, um, but more than two or three. So that just seems like the right balance uh, in this game, at least. One other aspect offensively that I, I'm going to try not to scream uh, into the microphone is short yardage passes. We complained about it. I complained about it last week where it just seemed like they were not one too many plays, but like six too many plays where on third and one, fourth and one, the Ravens are just like, you know what? Run it just right up the gut and let's see what happens. They threw it in these short yarded situations multiple times and were very successful. Uh, they ran the little shovel pass to Mark Andrews for the first touchdown. I know it's like inside. I think it's like, you know, almost a run play, but it isn't. It's a shovel pass to your tight end who's like in motion and he went outside, left to the left tackle scored basically untouched uh they ran a play action to josh oliver for the third touchdown and that was on a second and goal from the one yard line not even third down guys they threw it on second down from the one yard line that was successful and it was just another small thing that lamar jackson did very well where he like threw the ball to force josh oliver to sit in the space and not only did that lead to a completion but it helped josh oliver not get totally demolished by the Patriot defender who was waiting to hit him as he crossed the middle. And that was successful. 
And guess what's going to come next now, as defenses will have to adjust on the Ravens potentially throwing it with, you know, short down and distances. Now the successful run plays are going to happen on third and one and fourth and one. So it's nice to see, uh, you know, it's nice to see that Greg Roman listened to us last week that he checked out Potica (laughs) Raven and he was like, all right, guys, fine, we'll throw it a little bit. Um, And that should open things up uh, for the Ravens offensively. I. I don't want to say I owe Greg a Roman an apology, but no, you don't. Uh, you know he had a good plan this week. I think from what we've talked about here, and you know, it's probably mostly thanks to the guy we talked about, LJ Eight Lamar Jackson, <laughs> uh, the 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 Russell Wilson MVP through three weeks. But um, you know, the Ravens are the number one scoring offense in the NFL right now, and they're fourth in yards, and so. You know, it's working on the offensive end. I know the the run game hasn't been perfect. That's obviously a, a very big work in progress still, as we talked about. But the results are there at the end. They're the highest scoring team in the NFL. They've just put up 38 and 37 points in back-to-back games. Uh, they can score. And they can move. The, they really, no one's really stopped them moving the ball uh, even. So that's encouraging. And they're going to need it. Because the defense still has plenty of problems. Oh, that's Jace. That's a transition from like season one of Pod Like a Raven. <laughs> really good job there. Let's talk about the defense because I'm kind of at the point where it is what it is at this point. Uh, this defense is going to give up a lot of yards, a lot of completions, maybe even a lot of rushing yards, which like feels blasphemous to say out loud from a Ravens defense. But they're gonna hopefully make enough plays to win football games. They're going to force turnovers, which is what they did in this game. Uh, I mean, they gave up way too many yards to Devontae Parker. They did not set the edge on running plays a lot. But in the second half of this game, they finished... I'm reading through the Patriots' drives in the second half. They ended with interception, touchdown, interception, fumble, interception. They closed the game out in that sense of forcing turnovers... We're going to find out just how much of that was Mac Jones being bad versus the Ravens' defense being opportunistic and, you know, filled with playmakers. But concern level for this defense? Are they doing just enough? Did we see enough here to close out a football game on the road? Or did the turnovers, are they just like band-aids to what are the, the gaping wounds of this defense being unable to stop even a mediocre offense that the Patriots have? Yeah, that one. This defense stinks, um, and I'm really it's really infuriating because this is going to be a season that could be wasted, and a Lamar Jackson supernova performance across an entire season that could be wasted because there's a secondary that has Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Chuck Clark, a first-round pick in Kyle Hamilton – Marcus Williams, and they're giving up 321 receiving yards to to the Patriots, whose top receiver is Devontae Parker. And they have no – I just – it's so frustrating to watch over and over and over again when you hear – and I'm not even talking about just hot take artists and stuff. You hear smart football people talking about, man – 
That Ravens secondary, one of the best in the league. They're just loaded with talent. Look, they got young guys coming through in Pepe Williams and Jalen Armour Davis, who got the hook, by the way, after getting roasted multiple times. Brandon Stevens is kind of a versatile piece. Got roasted, by the way, multiple times. And then you got, and then you got your elite-level defenders, like a Marcus Williams. Oh, yeah, pretty good. I like him, actually. Uh, kind of leaving him out of this conversation. Marlon Humphrey, lockdown corner, you know, that loves that corner booth at Tagliata's. Marcus Peters as well, a turnover machine. Um, Tagliata's is like the only restaurant I can think of off the top of my head. So I just always say – I always reference that one. I don't know why. I, it's just – it's so frustrating because I think – Look, we, we, I want to do it here because there's no other place to do it. Mac Jones is the perfect quarterback for my New England Patriots because I don't want them to be bad because that means they're going to have a chance to be good. I want them to be just the most mediocre, nobody gives a about this team because they go 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight every year. One time they get to the divisional round in the playoffs and it's like cool and then they get smoked by a team that actually matters. And Mac Jones is that guy. He thinks he's not because you see him gritty and you see him trying to do uh, – thinking he's uh, – there's just so many cuss words when I want to talk about <laughs> Mac Jones. He thinks he's Tom Brady because he whines about every call because he thinks he's an elite-level quarterback that's going to get it. No. He cries about ankle sprains, which, bro – not a good look, man. Like, just save it. Save it. You're supposed to be the leader of men. The leader of men. And you're whining about, oh, bunch of my little ankle just a little bit. It was so absolutely ridiculous. He made some nice throws, sure. But he, but I think it was way more of this Ravens defense looking worse than Mac Jones being good. Because he's nothing more than mediocre. You can look at... I'm just going to put a number out here. Eight AFC quarterbacks who I'd rather have in Mac Jones. I haven't done any research on that, and I'm just saying AFC. I probably could think of eight. I think you could go even higher. (laughs) You think so? I mean, we're not going to do it here because this is not a Patriots podcast. You can go listen to whatever that crap is on on your favorite podcast platform. But I just – I love it. But, yeah, back to the defense. Calais Campbell played almost every down. Not good. He's old. Um, The the, – Team gave up 145 rush yards, 73 to Ramondre Stevenson. Like, who? Um, you know, Matt Abuke had some nice plays. Patrick Queen was okay, like had the sack, but didn't do, really do anything there. There. <sighs> Maybe you guys have to talk me off the ledge because I'm just I, – I just think, like, the Buffalo Bills are coming to town next week. And if you don't think they're going to drop – if you don't think they're going to drop 40 points on us, I have a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm not going to do a great job talking you off good, the ledge here, good. I think, Tim, because I, I share a number of the same concerns. It's just like, I'm with like, what Antonio said. It kind of, to me, in some ways, this was almost more concerning a little bit than the Miami game in a certain aspects, just because, you know, like, it was very bad against Miami. But when you just have guys just streaking wide open because there was just massive uh, communication failure, like, I understand what happened there. The people weren't on the same page. Tyreek Hill ran straight. No one picked him up. Tua hit him. There we go. That's what happened. But in this game, yeah, like, Devontae Parker had 156 yards. And this is, you know, two weeks in a row now. They give up 170 yards to two different receivers against the Dolphins. And now... Devontae Parker goes for 156. It's just, uh, this week was concerning just because you didn't have those breakdowns and they still just were pretty much moving the ball how the, however they wanted. 447 total yards for the Patriots. 
three weeks in, you know, it's early, but the Ravens are still 32nd in the NFL in total defense. They're 32nd Jesus. against the pass, and they're 24th in points against, so you can't really even say they're doing a bend-don't-break kind of thing. They're just and they've played of... the Jets and Patriots in two <laughs> of their three games. they played Joe Flacco and Mac Jones. And don't worry, though, JPP is going to come in and solve everything, guys. <sighs> yeah, so that's the thing for me. It's 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 still there the only i will say step in the right direction is at least they stepped up and made plays i know that's been a thing we've been begging for on this podcast for the better part of i don't know four seasons now uh but um they did it on sunday and, and that was nice to see that it was literally like what john harbaugh said about the game he said the thing was guys stepping up and making plays so at least there's that. You know, Patrick Queen, you mentioned the sack. He drops what should have been a pick six immediately before uh, the Patriots score a touchdown. That would have been a nice play to have. But in the moments they absolutely have it, they close it out, as we said, with three straight turnovers. So that was good. But that being said, yeah, uh, at least one, if not two of those turnovers were directly Mac Jones related. The third uh, came after a chase down strip on what was basically a 45-yard gain by the Patriots <laughs> to, uh, to Nelson Aguilar. So yeah, there's still, I think glaring holes and problems with the defense and why I think you still leave a little, uh, certainly concerned for the long-term, uh, view of this Ravens team. But, you know, if they can force the turnovers, we've seen bad defenses have success. Like the, uh, the one that comes to mind for me is the 2009 saints. They stunk, but they forced the most turnovers in the league. And they won the Super Bowl that way because they had Drew Brees. So can the Ravens do something similar? Who knows? But uh, at least, you know, they stepped up when it mattered and they're two and one. And at least that they did that. It's a step in the right direction compared to last week. They didn't completely fold uh, when they could have. Uh, but the defense is still bad on the whole. So that's, yeah, that's the concern. Yeah, you would like it if they were good at one uh, one thing well, you know one aspect <laughs> defense like oh they're really good against the run at least that didn't happen they got like gashed repeatedly on the ground and then also we know what the situation is in the air a small sort of microcosm of these issues is how they handled the patriots last drive of the first half there's no world where you're supposed to give up points when there's 30 seconds uh left in a half and the Patriots got they got 11 yards on first down, called timeout, an incomplete pass. Then they had a just, I don't know, I guess the Ravens were playing like one of those nice shells where they have everybody deep and on the sidelines. So therefore, Mac Jones threw like the easiest deep middle throw for 20 yards. Uh, they called another timeout. And then this is where you're, and this is the last thing I want to touch on with this with you guys is, we have a rookie defensive coordinator who came from college, who does not have a long track record in college either as a defensive coordinator. And his play call on, for, let me, I want to make sure I get this right, first and 10 from the Baltimore 42 with eight seconds left was rush zero and drop eight guys into the end zone, basically, and have your three defensive linemen drop back five, 10 yards and cover nothing. And the Patriots were easily able to get a 10-yard completion out of bounds to get into field goal range. Like, there's no, what? That's a, horrendous. Horrendous. And it led to the Patriots kicking a field goal um, and only being down a point at halftime. 
And I'm I'm getting more and more concerned with the defensive coordinator, which is not something that I feel like every time they showed him on the sidelines, he was just like fuming or like doing the like like deep breath out through like his lips. I would say if you had to grade him through three weeks, it's like an F or like a D because the Jets game went okay against Joe Flacco week one. This there's concerns everywhere defensively, um, and that's not good. And they currently have. One and a half outside linebackers on the roster. Justin Houston got hurt in the, in the middle of this game. It's a problem, and I'm not sure. You know, you would like to have a, at least a defensive coordinator with like a track record of improving things as the season goes along, or like scheming things differently. Or I truly think, I predict, I'm going to say this now after three games, that if the Ravens are a con- tending team midway through the season that they trade for a starting caliber defensive player kind of a la Marcus Peters that they did a few years ago from the Rams and gave up and at the time like a young you know linebacker prospect let's say I, I literally I, I want to say he oh yeah Kenny Young right was that the, was that his name <laughs> yes he yes, was maybe yes. a second year guy at that I don't think he was a rookie maybe second or third year uh and they g- gave him up for what was a rental at the time for Marcus Peters because they were a contending team that needed defensive help. That's what this team is going to have to do, in my opinion, to get better. Uh, and I, I hope they do it. Otherwise, it's a concern. It's a concern because they do nothing well at this point. Am I wish casting uh, a Roquan Smith trade? Yeah, can he get. He's like playing very well, too. Can he get angry again? I don't know. Is Lance Briggs in a contract dispute with the Bears? Is he still around? Can we get him to be play linebacker? I feel like that happened a bunch of times. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Tim did tease it. The team did sign Jason Pierre-Paul uh, last a couple, what today, yesterday. What it, 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 seemingly he was signed a couple days ago, and then it became official uh, on Monday. Michael Pierce got hurt in this game. He might be out for a long period of time. They seem to be, there's some fear there that he has a long-term injury. They haven't gotten the results yet. Uh, Justin Houston, as I mentioned, with a groin injury. I'm not sure how quickly a 33-year-old football player is going to recover from a groin injury. So there's some concerns here, guys. Uh, Anything else defensively before we talk about it? I have a couple of last things, but I want to make sure I, I get you guys last opinions on on the defensive aspect of this team i mean antonio it's a great shout i mean i'll just i'll just kind of hop on it with you the ravens need to upgrade this position uh or this this side of the ball i should say i don't know how you do it it's not jason pierre paul um they they probably need to make a splash and that's tough to say and it's easy fan casting to say um you know make a splash they could they could do it they have some salary cap and obviously you know Lamar's coming up and you know all this other stuff what have Ooh. you yeah right right the other the only guy that's winning games with this team at the moment it seems like um I don't know who it is I don't know what it would take but they need a Marcus Peters level disgruntled star who's just in a bad spot get him for 50 cents on the dollar and he becomes an all pro again it, it, they they have to have that because it's just simply not working uh, on the defense side of the ball yeah it's it's tough, yeah. JPP two and a half sacks last year in twelve games. That's that's as Tim said. That's not gonna get it done. I've been banging this drum for weeks, but if Adafi Owe wants to even record a single quarterback hit, that would be great. He has yep. none through three games, uh, and he was your your entire outside linebacker plan, uh, which doesn't speak great of the plan. Um, 
so there's that too. You know, the Eagles had 17 quarterback hits yesterday, and our our top outside linebacker has none. So I don't know how you improve that, but uh, you know, you look around the league and you see you see what other defenses do, like nine sacks and 17 quarterback hits of Carson Wentz, and you say, I wish my team could do that, but they can't right now. So that's tough. It would be a very rough look for the player who had zero sacks in his final year in college and then got drafted in the first round, then also had zero sacks in a, in a professional football season. It's early. It's early. It's fine. They're two and one. They're going to be fine. I have a few odds and ends, uh, and then I'm going to have my co-hosts run through their last points. Uh, on Jackson's last rushing touchdown, uh, it was so obviously a touchdown. The ball crossed the goal line by a lot. He fell over, and then the ball came out of his hands. And I don't know if they were late with the whistles, if they didn't whistle loud enough, but like 17 players dove directly at Lamar Jackson's feet and knees to recover the fumble, and I audibly like cried out loud in fear that he was going to get hurt on like the dumbest thing ever. Um, you know, let, let's see a little bit more hustle there, refs. Let's get that whistle really going so that players know not to dive at Lamar Jackson's knees. The other thing, Justin Tucker, oh my gosh. It's it's it it seems kind of foolish to like bring up whatever he does every week because it's always great and he's maybe going to be a Hall of Fame place kicker which is almost impossible to do. He had a 56-yard field goal uh on the road in New England at a stadium that is like not it's not Pittsburgh in terms of making field goals, but it's tougher than the average NFL stadium to make field goals and I actually thought I had the the thought cross my mind that this was kind of an odd, risky decision to kick a 56-yard field goal. And he literally crushed it Um, because he's very, very good. Meanwhile, the Bills kicker, Bass, missed a 38-yard field goal in the fourth quarter of a tight game. The Chiefs, I mean, second kicker, let's say, uh, Amendola, missed a 34-yard field goal in the fourth quarter and an extra point. And the Chiefs had to run a fake on fourth and eleven. Uh, on a 41-yard field goal attempt because they're so terrified of this kicker. We're very, very fortunate. It's very nice to have that type of weapon. And I just, it seems, you know, obvious to say, but I want to make sure that we are recognizing all these things that he does because there will be a day when Justin Tucker is no longer the kicker on this team and it should be recognized when it's happening. Justin Tucker now, 50 field goals of over 50 yards in his career. Um... And John Harbaugh with 150 wins uh, with this win. So hopefully by the end of the season, he's at like 163 or something. <laughs> Conservatively. Uh, anything else, guys, from this game before we wrap up? Uh, just one thing for me, or two things. A shout-out to Evan Duvernay. I think we mentioned yep. his touchdown catch, but he set up that drive with a great punt return uh, as well. It was only a four-play drive because he gave him great field position. He's been great, and you know he had the, the concussion, I believe, that knocked him out uh, last week. Uh, so it was nice to get him back and see the impact he's been having on games. Uh, the only other thing I, I wanted to mention was the fumble that somehow stood on Rashad Bateman is the most insane classic you know only in new england stuff uh that will never be upheld any other time when you're watching an nfl game he had that ball for about a quarter of a second never even secured it you see it bobbling on the replay and they go nope that's a fumble and you go okay okay it's it's not in every other game so that was that was just some classic play of the patriots crap that annoyed annoyed the hell out of me but 
the Ravens defense, to their credit, stepped up, got the turnover on that ensuing uh, drive, and made it a non-issue. But uh, for for about uh, two or three minutes, I was I was in a dark place after that uh, call was allowed to stand. So that that annoyed me a lot. But I'm glad they ended up making it a non-issue in the end. Yeah, so I just have one traveling story from Foxborough that I felt like I needed to share uh, that I thought was interesting. So I currently own two Ravens jerseys of current players. Uh, Marlon Humphrey, which if you didn't listen to last week's episode, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to put that one in the closet for a while. Uh, he, did, he, did, he did have a pick today, we should mention. You know, the turnovers were the one thing that the defense had today, and hopefully that continues because they have nothing else. Uh, and then I have Patrick Ricard. Obviously, if you don't know me, uh, or if you haven't listened to this podcast a long time, I love fullbacks. Fullbacks are great. Fullbacks' job is to stick their nose in the middle of the pile and move people around. And then when you have a, um, an alien like Patrick Ricard, who is as athletic as he is at the size that he is, I finally said, after years of watching the likes of Kyle Juszczyk and Vontae Leach and Sam Gash and Leron McClain and what have you, I decided to pull the trigger and get a Pat Ricard jersey. Uh, so I have a fullback jersey. I'm very proud of it. And so when we were packing to head up to Foxborough, I, I, didn't I knew which one I was going to go with. But I also had my secondary thought of, well, you know, Ricard is from the area, so maybe it's kind of a nice break the tensions thing if anything happened. I mean, I didn't think anything was going to happen, but just more of a break the tension with Pat's fans. You can share a word. Like, you know, they think – do you know he's from Massachusetts, what have you? Because Patrick Ricard, if you didn't know, is from Massachusetts. What I didn't account for was so many Patrick Ricard fans being in <laughs> Foxborough for this game. So we show up to the tailgate. Uh, we end up buying tickets. And we notice, you know, there's, there's, there was a lot of purple. Purple showed out, and credit to him. And then I just realized, I saw, I kept seeing a lot of Patrick Ricard jerseys. Like, a lot of them. And... Even even on the walk, a little bit later, even on the walk into the stadium, I had a guy who was a New England fan with his kid, kind of dap me up and say, "Oh, that's a great jersey. Do you know he's from? Or, do you know he's from Massachusetts?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I know." He goes, "Oh, cool. So are you a, are you a Pats fan?" I was like, "No, absolutely not. I'm covered head to toe in purple." Um, <laughs> and you know, he's nice enough, laughed it off, what have you. But before that, we get to the tailgate. I'm noticing all these things, and kind of two rows ahead of us, you can kind of see it's like a big just field basically where they're parking all these cars. I notice a lot of Patrick Ricard jerseys, and it instantly clicks with me. Oh, yeah, he's doing the family and friends thing and having all of his family and friends come to this game. It's a homecoming game. You know, they don't go to New England that often. New England doesn't make the playoffs anymore. So it, it was one of those things that I thought was, was interesting. And we keep – people keep walking by our tailgate. We have a big Ravens 10 up. Shout out Matt Atencio. He, he specifically asked that we bring that to really show where we were at. And a lot of people are just kind of – giving us a second glance and at first it was just like oh it's just patriots fan give, giving us a dirty look for you know being in enemy territory what have you it's not like we were carrying on too too loud or anything and we keep seeing people kind of double check and they're, they're circling back and like looking at us again and then ravens fans start doing it and then all of a sudden this one guy who's with a group of people and he's on his cell phone he's clearly trying to find people he kind of circles back again and he comes behind me and he taps me on the shoulder and I turn around and he goes, the thick, I'm not going to try and recreate it, but the thickest Boston accent you can imagine. So just think that. He goes, do you know my Pat? Do you know my Pat? 
And I went, uh, I, I know the football player. Yeah, a hell of a football player. I don't know him personally. No, sorry. He goes, oh, we thought you were his friends. I'm his brother. <laughs> I'm, we're looking for the tailgate. He's supposed to have, be having a big thing. And I kind of pointed him. The, we had a, a conversation. Hell of a guy. Super nice guy. We talked for a little bit. It's like, yeah, brother's a hell of a player, man. D squandered the opportunity to be like, I play video games too. I want to be his friend. Um, which obviously would have been a little bit creepy, but I thought about it uh, afterwards. Uh, but yeah, so we met Pat Ricard's brother and I assume extended family at, at, at the, the Pats game, which was just awesome. And again, like I said, you know, we give New England a lot of crap and they give us a lot of crap and what have you. And, you know, everybody knows some arrogant Boston people in their lives. Um, it, it was a hell of an experience all the way around, especially obviously because they all walked out with two minutes left and we were singing na, 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 na. So yeah, it was great. That's awesome. Tim, you got to snag a, uh, an invite to that tailgate next time he I know, comes up to you. I know. We thought about it. <laughs> there, was, it there was talk of, hey, we're just going to leave you at this tailgate and just try and slip in and act natural and just say you're like a cousin or something. Uh, but yeah, I ended up not doing that because I wanted to go watch the Ravens. Fantastic. Uh, just pulled up Pat Ricard's like stat page while Tim was going over the story. Just a Swiss Army knife of a dude. Uh, five career touchdowns, 21 career tackles, <laughs> a lot of first down conversions, uh, and just an awesome guy. So fantastic. And yeah, Tim and Marlon Humphrey are in like a little bit of a lover's quarrel. So it's good to have that <laughs> Pat Ricard, Ricard jersey to break out. Um, and overall, a nice win on the road against, let's call them a, a mediocre football team. Um, all right, <laughs> now next up is the Random Raven. And I am up this week, and I have uh, a fascinating player, a sad, it's a sad Random Raven, really. But <laughs> well, here we go. Um, this Random Raven played for the team. If you say Billy Cundiff, I'm going to be <laughs> no, so No, it's upset. not that sad. It's not, not that sad. Uh, played for the team for three seasons, 2002 2004 and 2005 uh he missed all of 2003 with an injury so that's why that is he signed as an undrafted free agent out of grambling state where he played both wide receiver and quarterback and averaged five points and three rebounds on the basketball team as a senior so one of these guys that just does a lot of things well what is that like uh in the nfl he officially switched from quarterback to wide receiver, and the six foot three Raven had forty three catches and four touchdowns in his Ravens career, which totaled thirty seven games but just twelve starts. His most <laughs> famous play was likely a one handed touchdown catch on a goal line jump ball from Kyle Bowler, and I say goal line jump ball; it was from like the ten yard line, but you know that was what offenses were like in 2005 so they basically threw a jump ball from the 10 yard line it was Kyle Bowler guys it's okay in a monday night route of the green bay packers in 2005 oh god this player wore number 81 but mostly number 80 during his time with the ravens after the 2005 season he'd never play in the nfl again <laughs> uh and just for fun uh at grambling as a quarterback Threw for 4,400 yards with 33 touchdowns and 22 interceptions in his college career. And then at wide receiver, had 15 receptions for 240 yards, yet became a wide receiver in the National Football League for three seasons uh, and scored four touchdowns with the Ravens. And that is my random Raven for this week. So not a ton of info, but you know what position group I, I tend to 
tend uh, to go to for this. So it's one of those guys. One of those. I feel like there's so many options. Bummers. From that era. Yeah. It's hard to really. I will say Antonio less sad, I think, than usual, just because he was an undrafted guy who who made his way into the NFL versus you know a second or third round pick that caught four balls for the Ravens in five years. Very fair, Jason. Very fair. <laughs> Exceeded, I guess, expectations in that sense. Yeah. Um, all right, I will read those clues again at the end of the episode. For now, let's turn to the NFL briefly. Just a couple of talking points. Uh, the Chiefs lose to the Colts because the NFL is rigged. That's the only way I believe that this result happened. Uh, the Chiefs made every mistake imaginable. Travis Kelsey had a ball in the end zone. I think hit him in the face or like in the hands. That would have been a game-sealing touchdown. The Chiefs kicker was a disaster. I've touched on that already. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but the NFL wanted the cult, the Colts to compete. They wanted to have the Matt Ryan story. Uh, and the theme this year has been parody. So they're like, you know what? Let's get the Chiefs to 2-1, and one, and let's make sure that the Colts have a win uh, so that they can compete as we go down the stretch here. That's all I believe for that. Uh, the Bills lose to the Miami Dolphins. Pick the Bills. Uh, last week in the picks because I was just a little bit bitter about Miami not being that good. They are pretty good. Uh, they played a tough game against the Bills, benefited from, again, a horrendous missed field goal. Um, but the Dolphins hung on, even with the, what is it, the the punt butt, the butt punt? Whatever. The butt punt. <laughs> there we go. There's something like that that almost gave the Bills a chance, but they could not get a field goal late. The two greatest quarterbacks of all time, combined for 26 points and 87 <laughs> years between the two of them. Um, and then, interestingly enough, this coming week, the Eagles and the Jaguars will play in what is sure to be a Super Bowl preview, and I don't understand the NFL. Anything else, guys, from the NFL in what has been three weeks of parody, seemingly, all over the place? So, yes, uh, this slate of games did make me feel better about the Ravens, uh, on the whole, Antonio, because, you know, I think every team has, like, glaring problems. I think every team can lose every game they, they, they step on the field and play. That was, like, my takeaway from the, that Colts game. So the Colts scored on their first or their second possession, technically, after the Chiefs muff a punt. And then they don't score a touchdown again until their last drive of the game. They spent the middle doing nothing, and yet they win this football game. It makes no sense. Every time Red Zone cut in on this game, it was just Matt Ryan getting absolutely obliterated and fumbling the ball. I don't know how they won. It's They made, like, two plays all game and won. And that's just the NFL, I think, in 2022. It, it's very strange. You know, as you said, any team, can, or any team can beat any team. Any team can just lose randomly. Or the league I, I, decides that because <laughs> 90% of the betting public had picked the Chiefs either with the line or in a teaser or money line, that it was a good day to have the Colts win a game so all those bets could clear uh, in in the house's favor. Just, just, no, maybe it was that. Maybe it was that. It, it, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, my, my, my father has been a proponent of all games are rigged for a long time, and the older Damn. I get, the more... Uh, uh, the more I may start to believe them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was weird. I mean, the, the Broncos won a game 11-10 to 10 to, cap the, to cap the weekend. It was just, it was weird football all day. As you said, the Jags had the biggest win by far. The most points, the biggest point differential. Um, 
nothing makes sense. I don't get it. The Chargers were everyone's darling, and they look like they might be the worst team uh, in the AFC West, other than the Raiders, who have the actual worst record in football after they made the playoffs last year, and they're having, you know, meetings. Josh McDaniels had having meetings with the owner after three weeks. It was just a really weird slate, and one that does make me feel better about the Ravens. Um, and, yeah. I have some worries about that Bills game, which we'll get into in just a moment. Uh, would have loved them to win that. But, uh, yeah, it's it was weird. It was a, just nothing made sense all day. And that made me feel better about the Ravens. Yeah, so, I mean, I was at a game, so I didn't see a, a ton of stuff here. But um, real quickly, just some breaking news as we record, which is hilarious because it won't be breaking anymore when, when you, hear it, uh, you hear it from – Adam Schefter, quote, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones is what doctors diagnosed as a severe high ankle sprain that would cause many to have surgery per sources. He is likely to miss multiple games. Jones and the Patriots are still discussing his options and the best way to proceed. Uh, my instant takeaway, I don't care. It's an ankle sprain. He was still crying. That's a bad look for him. I don't, <laughs> I don't care at all. Um, yeah, on this, I think... It's interesting. I've J- Antonio mentioned it, but I, I'm excited to watch Eagles Jaguars next week. <laughs> like, I think the Eagles are really good. Um, I think the Jaguars are much improved. Plus 46 um, think, point differential for Jacksonville. Plus 46. It, it's funny that the, the quarterback that everybody thought was the best quarterback prospect in like a generation is actually turning out to be a good NFL quarterback <laughs> when he actually has competence around him, especially a quarterback whisperer. I mean, we've talked about it uh, as well with Doug Peterson rather than old fingers Meyer. But um, I think, yeah, the Jaguars are probably going to win that division because the Colts are bad. <laughs> the Colts are bad. And who else is the Tennessee got a nice rebound win, but they're bad as well. They tried um, the te- to blow that one too. The Texans yeah. are the Texans. <laughs> Um, and, yeah, on that, I guess my biggest takeaway, and, again, I didn't see a ton of it, but just looking at stuff, why were people talking about the Raiders? And, look, <laughs> I know that I know that it's like, well, they could be 3-0 and if there are a couple bounces that have gone their way, whatever. Josh McDaniels is a bad football coach. They have a terrible offensive line and a bad defense. Everybody knew Tennessee. If you didn't take Tennessee in this game thinking they were going to rebound under Mike Vrabel, you're crazy. Like that, You have to take that game. Vrabel's not going 0-3. I'm sorry. And I think the Raiders are just a bad football team. I really, really do. And, you know, they've got the Broncos who aren't much better, obviously. But that it's that funny, like, remember AFC, or AFC West, excuse me, supposed to be the best division of all time? Well, the Chargers are continuing to Charger and getting hurt by injuries, we should say. The Chiefs are good, and like like both of you have mentioned, I haven't seen the highlights, but everything that I've listened to or, or read uh, today, post, post-mortem, has been the Chiefs should have won that game. It was ridiculous they didn't win that game. And, and then the, the two teams I mentioned before, uh, the Raiders and the Broncos, are bad. So maybe let's not hype up these divisions as much as we think uh, over, over the course of the preseason. Um, and then let me see. Oh, one final thing. I know we're going to talk about the bills and I apologize for running a bit long here. I love the Ken Dorsey clip and shout out to <laughs> CBS for knowing they have it. If you didn't know this, Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator for the, the bills absolutely loses it on a devil. I believe it's Devin Singletary didn't get out of bounds or whatever. So they couldn't spike the ball in time or something. It was a situational awareness, Lana uh, thing that he messed up. <laughs> Dorsey takes the iPad 
or excuse me, the Microsoft Surface and throws it down on the thing. He breaks that like a Tom Brady move. Then he immediately looks at paper because he can't break anything else. And then he's just like ripping up papers and throwing papers everywhere. Loses it. And I love to see it. Um, and yeah, we'll talk about the Bills more in depth. So I don't want to go too much into that game. But that just, that's that for a meh weekend of NFL football, that was an amazing clip uh, that got clipped out everywhere that we got to watch. All right, my last bit uh, on the NFL is just statistically speaking, my favorite division through three games, and it's the NFC North, just because of this. Uh, the Vikings are technically in first place with a 2-1 record. They have a point differential of plus three. The Green Bay Packers are in second place with a 2-1 record. They have a point differential of plus three. The Chicago Bears are third at 2-1 with a point differential of minus five. And then in last place, the Detroit Lions at 1-2 with a point differential of plus 2. The Lions have scored 95 points and given up 93. I have no idea which team is winning the North. I don't know if it's the Packers because they got big problems. Detroit can score on anybody. Can they stop anybody? I don't know. And the Vikings just so perfectly mediocre. <laughs> and I, I'm excited for them with Kirk Cousins to go 9-8 and this season once again. Um, it's just the perfect pleasing to look at division um and i don't know who's good i don't know who's bad I, i've never been more lost through three games of an nfl season um and with that let's get back to the ravens because uh, they have a game this sunday uh i think the most positive thing to say early on is that it's a <laughs> 1 p.m game at home we like that they're three and a half point underdogs to the buffalo bills that 36 hours ago, I would have said, were the best team of the 21st century, and now I have no idea how good the Bills are after their loss to Miami, but let's get into it. And I want to start this time with the Ravens' defense against the Bills' offense, because this seems to be maybe where the bigger issues are going to arise. Uh, <laughs> time for a real test. Guys, if we thought the first three weeks were a mixed bag of quarterbacks and, and offenses that the Ravens had to go against, this will be a struggle. It's Josh Allen against this secondary and these linebackers and this pass rush and this rookie defensive coordinator who I brought up earlier in the episode. Uh, let me check my statistical analysis here in my notes, and I wrote down rut row. Um, how bad is this going to be? Tim said 40 points in the opener. Jace, is that kind of is that kind of what we're looking at here? Certainly could be. Uh, I'm not very optimistic. Um, as you said, Josh Allen leads the NFL in passing yards. Uh, Stefan Diggs leads the NFL in receiving yards. And I see those totals going up uh, in this one. Um, it, you know, if, though they only ended up scoring 19 points uh, against the Dolphins, that was a really weird game. And they were largely rolling. Like, the Bills ran 90 plays and had 497 total yards against the Dolphins. But they managed to only turn that into 19 points. They, uh, you know, they tried to do a, a spike at the end of the half and Allen bobbled the snap and then had to try to throw for it. And they didn't get points there. They missed a field goal, as I think we mentioned. Uh, then they botched the end-of-game sequence, which led to Ken Dorsey's freakout. Um so, like, that's at least nine points the Bills didn't score right there on top of just drive stalling out and stuff. So, I think their issues against Miami were more self-inflicted than anything. And that concerns me 
going against a Ravens team that will give them plenty of opportunities based on their play uh, the first three weeks. So, yeah, I don't... They just need Allen to, like, screw up and throw a bunch of picks is kind of what I think your hope is if you're going to beat him. And if he doesn't do that, I don't I don't see a path to them slowing him down at all, really. Yeah, my my only, like, positive is just the cliche, that's why the game isn't played on paper. <laughs> like, I could see Josh Allen, and I know we do intangibles here, Antonio, but, I, you know, a pissed-off Josh Allen will say, because coming off of a loss and not just another big win, um, I think is an issue for us. Um, and the offensive line for the Bills isn't great. Now, will the Ravens get any pressure? Probably not. But, like, they're, they're not that good. You know, I, Jace even put it in here. Mitch Morse missed the Miami game, their center. So if he misses this game as well, that's an even more depleted unit. Um, and I guess my only other thing is, and we didn't t- touch on it too, too much, Devontae Parker kept getting plays against Brandon Steven and Jalen Armour Davis. I don't give a flying what the scheme is. Put your best corner on the best receiver. Marlon Humphrey, and I know that he likes to play in the slot and that frees guys up on the outside, should be on Stefan Diggs every single play in this game and try and do your best to eliminate him. I know there's some theories of like the Bill Belichick where he'll put – his best corner on like the second best guy and then kind of double the, the, the first guy, the digs type and try and neutralize that way, whatever, have a better plan than, Oh wait, armor Davis can handle it because he's the right cornerback on this side. And we're just going to line that up. So, you know, yes, not super confident. We'll say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Josh Allen had a weird, a weird game and this is another sort of intangible thing that i want to bring up now in this dolphins game jace has mentioned the yards they moved the, the ball at will and then still lost and didn't score that many points he was like jawing with multiple dolphins defenders like after plays like in the pile there's a video that's come out on you know on the twitter of him like ripping a guy's helmet off like in the pile after the play was over um he, like, completed a ball while they were losing late, and he, like, had turned to, like, jaw with another Dolphin defender instead of, like, running downfield to try to score when they were still losing to, like, what was supposed to be a worse team. Can we make this chippy? Can we piss him off in this game? Uh, get him to make mistakes. Get Marcus Williams another two-pick, you know, afternoon. The crowd's gonna have to be, boy, doing all their good work. Get some false starts. Make third and ones into third and sixes. They're going to need every little thing defensively. Uh, can Jason Pierre-Paul just show up, I don't know, against a, a, a weak Bills offensive line? Can they hold them to less than 35 points? And then the Ravens might have a chance. Because let's turn to the positive side of the ball here. Ravens offense against the Bills defense. Can Lamar and company do enough to, dare I say, keep things close in the fourth quarter? Um, I just... Turning this into a shootout. The over-under, I want to mention in this game, 52.5. Smells a little low to me. Uh, If we have a game that's like 31-28, which is what this feels like to me, that clears that over easily. And that's what I think this game is going to turn into. If you're a little bit more of a pessimist and the Bills blow the Ravens out, the Ravens are still going to try to get like the garbage time touchdowns late in this game. That 52.5 is very, very intriguing. That's all I'm going to say. Guys, Ravens offense against the Bills defense. Can Lamar 
go shot for shot, basically, with, with this Bills offense. Potentially. And I think the, the benefit is the Bills have big questions on their back end right now as well. They've kind of been bit by the injury bug a bit. Micah Hyde, they're, one of their great safeties, is done for the year. Um, Jordan Poyer, their other great safety, he didn't play Sunday. Um, Christian Benford, one of their rookie defensive backs, fractured his hand, so he probably isn't going to play. And Trey White's still not back. Uh, Tredavious White's still on the physically unable to perform list. So the Bills have big question marks on the back end um for sure that i think the way lamar's playing as we talked about they can certainly exploit the problem is going to be if he has the time to throw because the bills have a great pass rush it's been nasty this year von miller's been great for them uh the bills have 11 sacks on the season which is second in the nfl um and we kind of mentioned it, but uh, we should probably address that the Ravens are probably going to have to start a fourth string left tackle, um, which seems like a concern against a good pass rush uh, led by Von Miller. But, you know, Greg Rousseau is another good player. They just have – they're very deep on the defensive line for the Bills. And, you know, I thought Falele played well at times or got better certainly as the game went on. But he still got whipped a few times in, in pass protection, and they had to really start assisting. Dietrich Wise had three sacks for the Patriots – uh, Matt Judon only credited with one, so our over-under didn't quite hit of three for him. But uh, um, No, because the game mattered, Jace. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so that's my concern is I think the Bills have a secondary that the Ravens could um, potentially have some success against, but then if Lamar has zero seconds to throw because, you know, no offense, to, like, Falele didn't start a game at left tackle in college. He's like only played right tackle, and then so you kind of threw him into the fire, and he I think he acquitted himself well, but I think this is a different certainly going against a Von Miller type, uh, and some of the other guys the Bills have is certainly a step up. And the Bills, we should say, even with some of the questions on the back end, they're still number one defense in the NFL through three weeks in terms of yards against per game, uh, and uh, they can pin their ears back a lot because the Bills almost always are playing from ahead. So uh, that the pass rush and the Ravens line situation really concerns me and at this point i don't even think ronnie stanley i don't want him back even because i think he'll be good they just literally need bodies on the offensive line and that's yeah. why they need ronnie stanley back eventually this is a topic for another day maybe a bye week thing we could predict you know i'm getting to the point where ronnie stanley might never play a down of football again yeah, like, it's just it's just like what what is going on with that situation there's no updates and like be as cryptic as you want, Harbaugh. At least give people a little bit of an update of when the hell this guy's coming back. And the less you hear, the more nervous you get. But conversation for a different day. The Bills' defense is is interesting. And I was um, I was listening to the Athletic Football Show Friday, uh, or I should say Saturday, on the ride up to New England. And, you know, it's Nate Tyson, Robert Mays. If you're nerdy like football, I say it all the time. Give that one a listen. They're, they they get really nerdy about stuff and it's it, and not in a way that you wouldn't be able to understand but just you know they do a good job of kind of breaking it down for the common folk like myself and they made a lot of good points about the bills defense when previewing this matchup with the dolphins which they obviously ended up losing first on the defensive line it's not only that they have talent they keep everybody fresh they are so deep that they rotate that defensive line like a hockey shift you know, you've got guys like Jordan Phillips, uh, Ed Oliver in there as well, Von Miller, Matt Milano, who's a linebacker, but he's playing out of his skin right now, A.J. Epineza, uh, Boogie Basham, Greg Rousseau. They bring these guys in and in and in and just keep shifting them out so they stay fresh throughout the game. So there is no, 
oh, the defense was really tired, so Miami was able to take the top off. And speaking of take the top off as well, the other thing that they mentioned, and I don't have the stats in front of me, and obviously it's been changed since the Miami game, but since the start of last season, the, the Bills' stats against giving up big plays is astronomically better than anybody in the National Football League. And a lot of that has to do with Poyer and has to do um, with, oh, who's the other safety we just mentioned? Uh, him? Micah uh, Hyde. Micah Hyde, thank you. It just escaped me. A lot of that has to do with those two. But what the Bills do, they don't try and do the Rex Ryan, you don't know where the blitz is coming thing. In fact, before the Miami game, they had blitzed three times this season. Three times total. They line up in nickel, which means two linebackers, three cornerbacks, four defensive linemen, two safeties, and they basically just run nickel. They don't match you. They don't try. If you're going heavy, they're going to go heavy, what have you. They stay in their base system. They don't try and disguise anything, and they are incredibly sound at communicating about no-blown coverages <clears throat> and tackling everything that's in front of them. So basically what happens is you can't take the top off the defense. They make it nearly impossible for the big play. So then you have to try and dink and dunk down the field, and you think, oh, here's a check down. That'll probably get eight yards because nobody's around him. Boom! As soon as the ball comes, it's three-yard game because they gang tackle, they're sound tacklers, and they're so good at communicating. What all of this means is that on the offensive side of the ball, the Ravens cannot get frustrated. And it's easy for us to say as fans, and I, you guys have watched games with me, second quarter, this team stinks, burn it all down. I can't believe that they're just doing the same thing over and over again. They can't get like that on the sideline. And they have to be able to, to – it, it's, the, it's the Chiefs' problem with Patrick Mahomes sometimes where he can't – and this has changed a little bit, but the narrative early was he can't just take the simple thing. He's got to try and make it more difficult for himself. He's got to make the big play. The big play is not going to be there. The bomb to Devin DuVarnay is not going to be there. They have to be able to matriculate the ball down the field against this Bills defense. And, you know, to answer your question to Jace earlier, Antonio, yeah, I absolutely think Lamar Jackson can compete with Josh Allen. I think, you know, would I trade those two? That's a topic for another day. But I, he absolutely can. And this offense can absolutely match blows if they are patient and if they take what the defense gives them. Remember the days of let's get over 200 yards on the ground. Yeah. Let's win the time of possession. Let's have long drives with a lead that just shrink the game against strong, you know, explosive, let's call them offenses, and then get the opportunistic turnover. There's your recipe. They have to bring that back. Tim is right. This, I mean, it's nice that the Bills' secondary is banged up, but this smells like... Lamar is down 10 early, gets frustrated, and tries to make plays beyond the scheme and throws an interception, throws a pick six, whatever, and then the game's out of hand. This is not young Lamar, dare I say. He has not looked like that through the first three games. He's been composed. He's taken everything that's been there. He's run it when he should, and he has been careful in doing so. It's like a more mature Lamar Jackson. Uh, He... He can keep this game close. We know that. And then maybe the opportunity is there late in the game with the deep play. The, the offensive skill player certainly can do it. Um, and I think they have a chance. And because of that, and because I'm just a sucker for the Ravens as home dogs, it's three and a half points, guys. Not three. Three and a half point underdogs. And I'm going to end up looking bad next week, but I'm taking the Ravens. 
I'm taking the Ravens plus Jesus. three and a half. I don't know if they win. <laughs> I really don't know if they win. But are we going to beat them on special teams? Yes. Is our kicker better? Yes. Does our starting, our head coach at least, have more more experience? Yes. Is it a home game? Yes. Can Lamar Jackson claw a touchdown back late in this game when the Ravens are down, you know, 12 and they score a touchdown and then get the two-point conversion to make it a three-point game with 45 seconds left. I very much see that <laughs> as a potential outcome that the Ravens then lose by two, three points. Um, I think the crowd's going to be excited. I think the Bills, we saw a few cracks in the foundation with their loss against Miami. They're not a perfect team. They make mistakes too, you know? Uh, and I like the Ravens at home, and I, oh boy. I'm taking the Ravens plus three and a half. We don't have to get to the gambling section quite yet, but that's where I'm leaving it. Any last thoughts on this uh, matchup before we get into all of our picks? Antonio, I love the idea of the Ravens as home underdogs. I was absolutely floored when I saw this line, but I just don't know that I trust the Ravens defense enough, certainly enough in this game. The one thing I will say is, and we talked a little bit about it, that game took a lot out of the Bills, the one they just played on Sunday against the Dolphins. You know, mentally, emotionally, physically, it was very hot in Miami, like close to 100 degrees on the field, very humid as it is this time of year, and always in Florida. And, uh, um, you know, they lost multiple players to the game with injuries that were described as heat. So, you know, that game took a lot out of the team, and they were clearly, you know, we talked about Dorsey's frustration. Allen, like, you know, almost threw his helmet uh at the end of the game, it seemed like, and just everyone was ticked off. And that could go one of two ways. It could lead to a Bills hangover, or they could use it as fuel to come out and kick the Ravens uh, in the rear end, um, which I uh, think that's the direction I'm more leading towards uh, after I thought about it. But I do love the idea of the Ravens on home dogs. This has to be, you know, certainly in the Lamar era, I would think, but one of the biggest, uh, like, close to as big an underdog as they've probably been at home in five, six years, I would guess. It's had to be a long time. I was really stunned by this line. So, um, you know, people love the Bills, and I think rightfully so. Uh, and I don't want to write off the Ravens because they win a lot at the bank, but I just can't, you know, what we saw. Miami was playing in Baltimore, too, and it didn't work out playing at home. So that's... Uh, just my pick, I'm, I'm on team Bills minus 3.5 uh, for this game. The last thing I will say on this game, uh, and then you know, make the pick as well. The Bills, it, maybe it's a fan thing. Bills haven't won a lot of close games. They love blowing teams out, but we don't know when the chips, you know, when everybody's all in, and it's it's a three-point game with two minutes left. I don't know. They've blown out the Titans. They dominated the Rams, even more so than that scoreline probably says. Then they lose a close one to Miami, a game like everybody has pointed out. They should have won, but they couldn't And in a close game. You look back at last season as well. I'm going through their losses. or I'm looking at their wins even. A 17-point win against the Jets. A 14-point victory against Atlanta. Uh, this was 33-21 a bigger win against New England. I can't do live math. 
Uh, 12, thank you. Uh, 31-14 against Carolina. 31-6 against New Orleans. 45-17 against the Jets again. That stinks. A uh, two-score game against Miami as well as Kansas City. Uh, 40 to nothing against Houston. Big 20-point win over the, the Commanders now. And a 35-0 blanking of Miami. Their losses last season. They got blown out by Indianapolis, which is hilarious to think about now. But then a 9-6 loss to Jacksonville. A seven-point loss to Pittsburgh a three-point loss to Tennessee, and a six-point overtime loss to the Buccaneers. Make this game ugly. Keep it close. Antonio mentioned it before. This Buffalo Bills team, you know, the Denny Green line, you want to crown them, then crown they ass. If you want to, fine. But they haven't, they haven't really shown it in these tight, tight moments when everything kind of tenses up, if you know what I mean. So all that being said, Bills minus three and a half. They're going to kick the crap out of us. Uh, I want to go. I think I did the math wrong, which is perfect for me. J- a journalism major here. I think I said yep. twelve down twelve, and then they get a touchdown and a two point conversion. That wouldn't be a backdoor cover at all. That would be right. <laughs> I mean, I'm still getting confused. No, yeah, that, down four, that would be down four, <laughs> and then the Bills would just cover that that number nicely. So let's just pretend they were down eleven and then did that anyway. Um, yeah, let's go over the rest of the picks. All these situations could absolutely absolutely happen it's just you know it's time for the bank to step up this is why you play games at home you know let's get some crowd noise let's get some confusion in the bills offense maybe you know maybe the audio to josh allen's helmet cuts out halfway through the game uh, and they don't really know why those kind of things are what you need in a home game all right let's go through the rest of the picks um i ended up winning my teaser from two weeks ago uh, with the Bills' win against the Titans on last Monday night. Um, but this past week, uh, I went 1-2. and two. I picked the Ravens correctly. Uh, I lost my teaser. Thank you, Chiefs and the NFL, for rigging games to be competitive. Uh, and then I lost the Bills' pick against the Dolphins. But 5-4 and four overall. We have a winning record going into Week 4. And this week, no teasers. I'm going with three... Picks against the spread. One is the Ravens at plus three and a half. Uh, go Justin Tucker. You know, maybe this is a game where he he makes just enough plays. I'm taking the Raiders minus two against the Broncos. I just think the Raiders are better than 0-4. Uh, I, I don't see them losing yet another game. They're better than this. And the Broncos stink. Uh, Broncos country, let's hide. It's Raiders minus two at home. They win this game by a touchdown. And then the Vikings are... Two-and-a-half-point favorites in London against the New Orleans Saints. Guess which quarterback I think will be more prepared for this trip between Kirk Cousins and Jameis Winston. It's going to be Kirk Cousins, uh, and I think that the Vikings offense sails in this game. Jameis Winston, I truly don't know what he's going to do from one play to the next. He looked horrendous in the game against the Bucks. They lost to Carolina where he even the touched one of the touchdowns that he threw was quite literally into like quintuple coverage uh, and a receiver that he wasn't actually throwing it to stuck an arm out and had a one-handed catch. He's not very good, and then he is good. That's not going to fly. He's going to be jet-lagged. He's not going to know what time the game starts. Like the, the, With the time change, something's going to throw him off. I'm taking the Vikings minus two and a half, and those are my three picks for the week. I love that, Antonio, but, you know, this game kicks off at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Kirk Cousins might have 500 yards in this one. This is, you know, when it when it's not prime time, this is when Kirk Cousins shines. So uh, I, I, I love that. Uh, He's been up pick. for four hours at that point, <laughs> what, by 8.30? Yeah. Um, 
I got off the mat. The Ravens got me off the mat this season. I started 0-6 on the year in our gambling segment, but I had a 2-1 week. I, I got the Ravens minus 3 and the Falcons plus 2 at Seattle. Um, so I am 2-7 and seven on the year. I uh, did not get the, bill, the Bills-Miami game similarly, but, you know, uh, I said, as I said, I, mean, I am picking the Bills. I wanted to pick the Ravens, but I just couldn't pull the trigger uh, to do that. I'm going Titans plus 3 at the Colts uh, as my, uh, my first uh, non-Ravens pick. I don't love it, but the Colts are bad, and I feel like this is an overreaction to them winning one game. They cannot protect Matt Ryan. He has not looked good, really, at all at any point this season. As I said, during the game, every time they cut into red zone, all he was doing was getting sacked and fumbling. So he, he he's he's had it tough, and I, I, I still, I still kind of believe in this Titans team a little bit, even though I do think the Jaguars are the team to beat in the AFC South, which is a weird thing to say. Uh and then, you know, I don't love this pick either, but I just have to take it on principle, is the Cardinals are one-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Carolina Panthers, who, you know, credit Carolina. They ended their lengthy, I believe they had a nine-game losing streak entering this one, so they, they snapped that, but I, I still haven't seen enough from the Panthers. Their defense is okay, but the offense is still a wreck, and it still seems like this is Matt Rule's last season. And I, I have big problems uh, with Cl- uh, Cliff Kingsbury and the entire Cardinals operation. Uh, I think it's second rate, uh, everything they do. But they, you know, you're a playoff team in 2021. You have to beat this Panthers team. And I think the fact that they're not even favored, you just got to take the Cardinals, I think, on principle. So that, that's my final pick is Cardinals uh, plus one and a half at the Panthers. <sighs> Yeah, it's just the Cardinals. You just feel icky though when you do it. You know what I mean? When, when Kyler's down ten immediately, like in like the, they cut into the first quarter, and it's like Baker Mayfield to DJ Moore, and the Panthers are up ten to nothing. I'm gonna be so mad at this pick, but uh, for what can you do? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I'm with you. All right, so yeah, I went. Uh, oh, I had one win. I thought I went over. I got the Falcons plus two away to Seattle. Seattle's bad and the Falcons are fun. So, you know, I mean, they're not, they're not good, but they're not horrendous. Like Seattle is. I lost the Pats game, obviously lost Texans uh, in the, in the number one pick bowl against the bears uh, as on that one as well. Just barely though. Uh, it was only a three point game, two and a half point spread uh, this week. Already said bills minus three and a half. I have KC minus two and a half away to the Buccaneers. It's stinky. There's something about it that you don't want. Both teams need a win here. Uh, you know, just – I know Mike – excuse me. I know Mike Evans is coming back, but Tom Brady looks old. And I'm not saying that it's like the end of Tom Brady. I'm not going to say that. I'll, I'm not – I'm going to get off of that train uh, because I'll just let somebody else look stupid there. But if it's just Mike Evans and nobody else, I think KC's defense has enough to shut that down. And then it's a battle of the offense versus a very, a very good offense versus a very good defense. I, I don't know. I know it's away from home, but – I think KC's a field goal better than uh, Tampa Bay at this point. And then I'm going Browns minus one and a half away to the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons. I just think the Browns are a better football team, and that line seems a bit too low. Brissett's doing just enough, and they, you know, I, I, I wholeheartedly admit I didn't watch any of the Browns Steelers uh, from Thursday Night Football. <laughs> Wasn't <but> good. <laughs> yeah, so, that's what I heard. I saw George Pickens make a catch. That's cool. Um, and, yeah, so I just think the Browns are Put it this way. I think they're better than a two-point favorite against the Atlanta Falcons, so I took that one as well. Yeah, I, I really like that pick, Tim. I, I want to add one more that I forgot to mention because I, I brought it up in the Ravens-Bills section. It's the over-under. 
This over 52.5 to me, I've seen it at 52 other places. Both of these teams have scored seemingly at will. The Bills had a little bit of trouble against the Dolphins. Had, a, I think, multiple, like, fourth and goals inside the five in this game. They definitely had one uh, where they should have, you know, whatever, should have scored more points. But, boy, like, 31-28, I just, it seems like such a reasonable score for how these two offenses and defenses have gone that I'm officially taking Ravens bills over 52 and a half. And that might be my most like confident of the four picks as I, as I end up here with four. Um, but all right, so that's going to do it. Last thing to do is go over this random Raven one more time. This player played for the team for three seasons, 2002, 2004, and 2005. He signed as an undrafted free agent out of Grambling State, where he played wide receiver and quarterback, and also averaged five points and three boards on the basketball team as a senior. In the NFL, he officially switched from quarterback to receiver, and the six foot three Raven had 43 catches and four touchdowns in his Ravens career, which totaled 37 games, but just 12 starts. His most famous play was likely a one-handed touchdown catch on a 10-yard goal line jump ball from Kyle Bowler in a Monday night football rout of the Green Bay Packers in 2005. This player wore number 81 and number 80 during his time with the team, and after the 2005 season, he'd never play in the NFL again. Who is this random Raven? I got nothing, Jace. I, 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 this entire time. I, I, I have one name... And I only think I have a name. And this is a guy I was potentially thinking about as a random Raven. But I don't know if it's him, but I think the number he at least wore. So I'm going to throw it out there. Is there any chance this is Terry Jones? It is not Terry Jones. Tim, do you want to throw a name? Any, anything that, that comes out? 80? I, mean, I think, yeah, I think... The number's throwing me. Because I'm thinking Clarence Moore, but I think we did no, him already. No, we did him already. We did DeVar Darling, who was my other guest, <laughs> who was just kind of like the, the guy I think of. And we actually did him relatively recently, it looks like. Yeah, I, I've got nothing, Antonio. Um, yeah, no. Give it to me. This was the multi-talented, at least as an undergraduate, Randy Himes, wide oh, receiver. Boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> wide receiver, Baltimore Ravens. Yes! What a name. I haven't thought about him in... 20 years <laughs> well he hasn't he didn't do much then and he has, hasn't done much since so that makes sense jace uh yeah the ravens in 2005 um which is like kind of like the famous sort of mediocre year for them just r- ran over green bay where both brett Favre and aaron Rodgers threw interceptions uh in that in that game on monday night um against a not very good ravens team um, but yeah, Randy Himes. I think he also ran like track in college. Just everything <laughs> Randy was doing it. Um, That's fantastic. But ended up, unfortunately, as kind of a, a, another name in the long list of Raven wide receivers who didn't quite uh, do enough, let's say. But also poor quarterback <laughs> play. So maybe, maybe not all their fault. Um, anything else, guys, before we wrap things up here? No, I. Yeah, the future is not great, I don't know, but we Lamar Jackson's fun to watch, and it was fun to celebrate a win again. So, that's, you know, let's enjoy Lamar. If you are at the game, to the listener out there, this is partly on you. 
All right, we want Josh Allen giving the wrong audibles, not being able to hear, getting frustrated, and making mistakes. He's done it before. He could do it again. For Tim Horsey and Jay Evans, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you, as always, for listening to us here on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.